The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. I am Paul Vigna. I'm Stephen Grosser. And we're here in New York City, wonderful New York City. And we're joined from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., by Jeffrey Esparshot. Jeffrey, how are you? Very well. Thanks for having me again, guys. Uh, we're always happy to have you, Jeff. And, you know, look, uh, it's, it's summertime. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, the summer season has come. It has arrived. But... The markets don't stop. Uh, there is data to be chewed on. There are earnings reports. There is a lot happening next week. You need to be prepared. And I'd also say this. like You always heard the old saw that you know everyone goes away to the Hamptons in the summer. And that might be, you know, maybe volume is down. But you know, in a lot of summers since the financial crisis, that's when the markets get that really volatile. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. So, Jeff, what are we what are we expecting out of the nation's capital? It's, it's going to be a quiet week for the most part. I think the most interesting thing that we will see on the data front is is information about the housing market, how many uh, new homes builders are are cranking out yeah. in the uh, in the month of June, and and the, you know the story this year has been that they're just not building them fast enough, and and that's led to broad price gains. Um, a fairly fast sales pace for existing homes, but um, but but new home uh, construction just hasn't been able to keep up. I think the forecast right now is for an increase of about 5.5 percent, which will be the first time in a few months that, that the numbers have actually gone up for for new uh, new home starts. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I'm sorry, Chris. Are we gonna? No, no. I, I was I was. I think the most interesting thing to me is just sort of the central banks, um, because you know you've seen. Especially the global central banks like the ECB, you know, um, they're changing their view, it seems like, in, in looking more, moving, prepping, I guess, the markets for tightening. And you've seen that sort of have a, you know, a big impact on um, the bond market and on, uh, and on the stock market, to be honest. You, I mean, you've seen since June was the first decline, I think, in the tech sector. Uh, yeah. The S&P 500 tech sector um, in a while, and that you know was because of the rotation, um, you know, away from that and into you know things like financials and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I just wanted to talk to you, Jeff, just about like what what sort of can we expect uh, from central banks this week? Sure, I think uh, well on the on the calendar right now we have Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank both set to have policy meetings. Um, Japan, it, it looks like they're they're set to raise their um, their assessment of their economy, and they'll probably cut their inflation forecast. Which which, hello, that doesn't sound too different from uh, from the U.S. Right. 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 And um, European Central Bank, I mean, they're they're also going to try and move a little bit. Uh, you know, signal things are getting back to normal. Um, they'll probably change their guidance on on how much they're going to on how much stimulus they're going to continue to do. Um, and again, you know, it sounds a little bit like like the the U.S. Um, there's also a lot of uncertainty out there, as we saw last week, with uh, Janet Yellen and her testimony before right. Congress. Right. Um, I mean, the market took that as dovish. Uh, most, you know, sort of strategists, economists, analysts that you read afterwards thought the market kind of overreacted to the dovishness of it. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, yeah, but then look at the inflation numbers we got later in yeah, the week. No. Right. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to be dovish about. I mean, there's just no inflation pressure at all appearing in the economy right now, which which just raises a lot of question marks. Um, 
No, Friday's data was not, uh, you know, a, a strong signal for the economy. Um, it, it, you, Paul right. you know, Paul had to come in late on that Friday. So, you know, he missed. I read. The, I, the, I read it. In right. No, I know you read it, but I, I know how much you enjoy when the economic data confirms your worldview. And I, you are It really does to, not give me a lot of pleasure. To, to relish to it. It doesn't give me a lot of pleasure. Uh, look, I think, you know, I think that the really interesting is the thing is the fact that you know, we all talk about central banks are turning policy, changing, you know, moving the boat in the ocean and all these sort of metaphors. But the fact is that the Fed has already embarked upon theirs. I mean, they've raised rates several times already. And I mean, Jeff, is it a, a possibility that we're actually just starting to see the effect? I mean, I know these these interest rate increases take a while to kind of work their way through the economy. Have we even seen any of the effects of the Fed policies Fed policy changes. And is that something we need to look for in July, in the summer, in the second half of the year? I mean, the most direct effect you would see would be on 10-year bonds, right? And, and yeah. you know, there, there really hasn't been much much tightening of financial conditions from, from, from what I know. So I don't know how much how yeah. much impact, you know, the Fed's moves. It's been three increases since December. They've signaled one more for this year. Um, and they've signaled they're going to start to uh, to run off their balance sheet in a very methodical way at some point this year as well. And the reaction has been kind of a big shrug uh, in, in financial markets. I mean, you guys follow those a little bit closer than I do. So yeah. I, I don't know what impact they're actually having. I mean, people are obviously keeping a close eye on what the Fed is doing and what the Fed is saying. Um, but, yeah, it's like you say, they're slowly turning a, a ship. And it, right. It's, no. I mean, right. I, I, starting at the year everyone was expecting, like, you know, Three uh, percent interest rates uh, and three percent GDP growth. Yeah, um, and, and we ain't getting either. Right, but let's let's like just sort of back up for the, you know the you know the you know the interest rates and you know the yield on the on the ten year. I mean, one of the things that strikes me is the, the moves being made by the you know the ECB especially are important because. You know, the Fed was, you know, as it tightened, you also had the ECB buying bonds and putting, you know, sending, you know, foreign buyers into, you know, the treasury market buying treasuries. And so does – if the ECB, you know, steps away from its bond buying, you know, and other central banks step away from their quantitative easing, does that sort of impact, you know, the treasury market? Will we start to see, you know, the buying from foreign buyers dissipate and the yield rise? I mean, that's, you know, I think and I think the market is very cognizant of that at this moment. Yeah. I mean, they're they're hanging on Mario Draghi's every word as much as Janet Yellen's. Yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, you know, what can we say about, um, you know, in, in inflation in the retail sales? I know this is looking a little bit back. Um on you know to to the Friday, but what is it? What do, what do you think that sort of uh, says is saying to the Fed right now? Well, I mean, let's spin it forward to to what it says about overall economic growth. I mean, the, yeah. the Atlanta Fed's GDP now forecast, which is pretty closely watched, that went down to two point four percent for the second quarter. Which I mean, after a pretty meager one point, I think one point four percent for the first quarter. We're, I mean, you know, we're not signaling any any kind of recession or major slowdown, but it's no. certainly not signaling any kind of breakout. It's just it's more of the same humdrum growth overall with with fairly cautious consumers and that might relate back to what's going on in Washington um, you know how much does this uh, the, the the political stagnation in Washington 
um, cause businesses to hold off? Does it cause individuals to be a little more cautious about their spending? Um, there's not a, a clear, you know, academically proven direct link, but it, it seems to have an effect. It had an effect on, on consumer sentiment. Um, it could be having a broader ripple effect, and I think we saw some, some you know, kind of right. oblique comments about that coming out Friday from, from the head of one of our banks. And that, you know, can we can we quote him in a podcast directly, Jamie Dimon? Uh, but that Atlanta Fed number, Jeff, I mean, if I remember correctly, when they started the second quarter, I think they were closer to 4% GDP growth was their prediction. It was the, high threes, yeah. High yeah. threes, right, right. So they have come down pretty significantly on what they thought the second quarter was going to look like. And I think a lot of people after the first quarter were saying, ah, oh, there'll be a big rebound in the second quarter. Well, now it looks like there's not going to be a big rebound. No, so no, So you're not even not. getting that. No, and, and a lot of the... Um you know, private, I mean, the, the GDP now forecast from the Atlanta Fed, that's very much based on this is the existing data right now. Right. Um, you know, private forecasts also were that much higher, um, but that was predicated on tax cuts. That was predicated on infrastructure spending. That was predicated on a rollback of regulations, and, and most of which we just haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, it's getting pushed off and pushed off because of, of some of the uh, political difficulties in Washington. Right. How, how did Jamie Dimon characterize those political difficulties in Washington? Are we allowed to say I, I that on the podcast? A fa- I think this is a family podcast. Paul. It is a fam- family podcast. Yeah. We, oh. On the on the front page of of the Wall Street Journal's stupid website, stuff. it was called "Stupid Stuff." Yeah. Oh, that's what they put on the. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, they they toned down actually the headline on the one of the, the, the article we wrote to "Stupid Stuff." Stupid I don't stuff. Even let my kids say "stupid," so I, that's 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 yeah, pretty yeah. rough right there. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say "stuff" though. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, Jeff. Is there anything else before we wrap up here that we should be aware of? No, it's a quiet week, I mean, yeah, okay. and, and the Fed goes into its quiet period, too. They've got a, a meeting coming up in a couple of weeks, a uh, policy meeting where they're really not expected to do anything. Um, but obviously, people will watch that for clues, but that's a little ways off, and it's it's going to be quiet, and I hope everyone can get to the beach. All right. All right. Jeff Sparshot, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. We are talking about your week ahead. You are listening to Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. Enjoy our podcasts? Then listen in your car. Before you start down the road, just sync your smartphone using Bluetooth or plug into the USB port. Got Apple CarPlay? Just tap on the podcast app and search for WSJ. So, the next time you're getting behind the wheel, take us along and enjoy the ride. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Paul and Stephen here in the studio in New York City. And it is earnings grocer. Big time. Yes. Earnings season. If the banks kicked it off on Friday. Banks kicked it off on Friday. A little bit. I mean, the, the earnings were solid. They were, you know, they were. It was, it was not a horrible quarter for the banks. But investors, after pushing up bank stocks, did not uh, enjoy them so much. Well, they wanted well, more. Well, trading wasn't yeah. so great. Well, yeah, yeah, trading wasn't so good. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, nothing was, like, awful. There, You know, it was a solid quarter. But the fact of the matter is bank stocks, especially in the last few weeks, in the rotation that we were seeing from, you know, tech to financials, um, had, had a nice run-up. Yeah. And, you know. So, Traders recalibrated the recalibrated the trade. So so Friday we got a little read into the banks, and we'll get more coming this week. But this week yeah. you have a, just a stacked earnings calendar. 
I mean, just a couple of the names uh, jump at me off the, off the top of my head. Uh, IBM is on there, Microsoft, General Electric, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Johnson & Johnson, a lot of blue chips, a lot of tech stocks, a lot of banks, industrials. I mean, really kind of a little bit of everything. But we're going we're gonna to zero in on just a couple of them. And to help us do that, we have heard on the street writer Miriam Gottfried. Miriam, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And... Covering the asset management industry, Sarah Krauss. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're, we're always happy. Always glad we can get both of you here on the podcast. Uh, where should we start? What do you think, Grosser? What, I think Netflix. You... Think let's, Netflix? Let's go Netflix. Netflix is fun. Netflix is... Ne- no, what are you trying was, to say about was, the asset managers <laughs> over here? Hey. hey I, BlackRock doesn't move 8% every single earnings, like Touché. up or down. Touché. Fine. Take it away, Miriam. Is not, that not really for... a good thing? No. It's, it's, I, I didn't say good. I said fun. BlackRock might get... They have a lot of money, but they don't get Emmy nominations. That's true. That is Netflix true. gets Emmy nominations. Do those matter, Miriam? <laughs> not for the nominations. Oh, oh is that, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Is this a different podcast? That's not the one we're talking about? <laughs> I mean, they might matter to investors to the extent that they drive subscriber additions. Uh, oh, nice of you to bring it to what you really that want to talk about. That is what about. I really want to right, talk so about. And they cost Netflix, a lot of money. Netflix is on Monday, right? They're reporting on Monday? Correct. After the bell on Monday. Okay. What are we looking for? Well... Netflix said last quarter that their earnings and their revenue were better than expected, but their subscriber additions were worse than expected because the House of Cards got shifted into the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so this quarter we're expecting, you know, higher subscriber additions but lower profit margins. Because I guess the marketing expenses from House of Cards come in this quarter. Do they, do they turn a profit on a gap basis, Netflix? They, they do. Profitable? Yeah. They, they do. do. They do. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. they oh. trade at 100 times forward earnings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, so, so they're still quite expensive. Their profits are not yeah. very big compared with their You stock need a lot of Emmy wins to, yeah. to justify that 100 so, times. Yes. Well, so here's my question for you. Which one, which of those metrics, profit, earnings, or you know, revenue, or subscriber growth, do investors care about? So you may know the answer to this, but um, I'm going to start by saying last quarter, Netflix told investors which ones they should be caring about. They said, <laughs> very, very, you know, mighty nice they said oh. you yeah, guys have always been focusing on subscriber editions. We want you to look at our revenue growth and our operating margin. Hmm. Um the rationale Didn't, being being that that's actually going to be this now they're going to be turning material profits this year that's what they said and their profits are rising a lot they have not kept up with the stock price right. however and investors don't care and are still focusing on the subscriber editions and the reason i think that's happening is because how do you justify 100 times forward earnings the only way you justify it is by looking so far out into the future at what will be a pretty different company by then. And the number that really gets people there is the subscriber numbers. And that's what they pin their models on. So if they really started focusing on profits, the stock would fall a ton because the profits aren't there right right now. Right, right, right. So you, you need another. You need Stranger Things three, Stranger Things <laughs> four, you five. Need, yeah, you need that at least. <laughs> So, in anything else in you know the, their upcoming earnings that you know investors are going to be paying attention to, I guess. 
Well, I mean, domestic subscriber numbers are always the biggest one. International would be the international um, net subscriber editions would be the second one. People want to see how well Netflix is doing as it expands into new markets. Um, Is it having trouble there? We're not really going to know that yet. I mean, we're still really early days into its international expansion, Mm -hmm. so it's hard to know like what's good and what's bad and. They haven't said how big the opportunity is exactly internationally. They Domestically, they have. They've said 60 to 90 million domestic subscribers is how big they can get. Hmm. We'll see if they can get there. Um, they're not at 50 yet, but, yeah. but oh. they, may, they may be crossing the threshold into 50 this quarter. But we're not supposed to be looking at the new subscriber base. Profits. Look at profits. We, yeah, look at the operating margin. Look how much money they're making. But yeah. more Ooh. than that, what I would say to look at is how much cash are they burning? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. How much? How concerned should investors be? Because that's a big number. It's a big number. Investors should be very concerned about that, and the company has said that they plan to burn cash for many years to come. Original, original programming don't come cheap, folks. That's Four hundred and seventy-two right. million dollars in the quarter, right? That's what analysts. That's are what expecting. analysts are expecting for cash burn. Wow. Yeah. All right. Talking about uh, companies that do nothing. Loads but of cash, piles of cash, piles of manage <laughs> cash, make cash. Uh, a couple asset managers on the docket this week, too, right, Sarah? Yeah, the big one coming up on Monday is BlackRock, the 500-pound um, gorilla. Um, they have $5.4 trillion with a T in assets under management, um, and they tend to be a fairly good bellwether for the state of the industry. Um, they have done better than most of their peers, but the big things that we're watching there, I mean, markets have been rising, so their assets under management have very likely been rising. Um, but likely ETFs and the growth of passive investing is going to be the big driver of net new money coming in the door for them. Um, you know, Things to sort of look under the hood at as an indicator of what we'll see at other asset managers are actively managed mutual funds, if equity funds continue to suffer outflows, if fixed income funds continue to attract new money. That's where the sort of higher revenue generating area sort of tends to be. So I guess one of the questions, you know, comes is simply put, like, and you don't have the answer to this, but it's always interesting also to hear what Larry has to say about the world. We, Larry, are you like Larry? You know, sorry, good buddies Larry. with him. Oh yeah, maybe on a first name basis, you guys. Yeah, um, yeah no, I mean it, it, it's definitely true that he typically muses on the sort of state of the world and the markets as he sees them. You know, if he's concerned about the amount of cash on the sidelines, if he feels that valuations are overheated or people save enough for retirement. So you know, as much as investors listen to them for you know what's happening. As at BlackRock, the company, it's definitely also sort of an insight into his his worldview that you tend to get once a quarter. Do you, do you think we're going to have a similar worldview to the one that Jamie Dimon had on Friday? Uh, you, oh, you, you, you missed this excitement. I mean, I, I saw the Washington words. And yes, yes. That's <laughs> yeah, what that's, I mean. That's what, that's what I mean. About. I would imagine a less... Um, a less feisty tone to it, um, but perhaps some of the the same concerns about um, you know policy and and what's actually moving through the mill in Washington and what that means for investors feeling comfortable putting money to work. So um, you know perhaps um, we'll see. Yeah. All right, uh, Sarah. We gave you a little short shrift. We we geeked out on Netflix at the top there. So quite all right. We'll, we'll have to have you back very soon <laughs> to talk about that. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. I, I, I don't know. You don't have to say anything. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> you don't have to say us. anything. Yeah. You can take us home. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll catch up with you soon. Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, 
Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.